Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, the UK votes for Brexit, the markets tank. What happens next? What happens next is we have our Friday food fight. This is Money Beat. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, financial food fight. Welcome to the food fight. Uh, what a day here. Certainly in the markets, certainly in the world, certainly in the United Kingdom. Uh, Paul Vigna, Stephen Grosser, Chuck Jaffe with you. We also have today on what is the uh, this, this is the, the Brexit special food fight, Sarah Krauss and Ira Yoshebasvili to talk about the only story that really matters is is Brexit. And I just want to say before we, we start, and Ira, I know you agree with me, the, the theme song today should be... Yes. Can you guys hear that? Right? Come on. If this is not a day that was made for the Sex Pistols, Anarchy in the UK, what else is? Uh, okay, look, let, let's start. Who called it? Anybody in this group call it? Wasn't me. It de- I definitely didn't call it. Yeah, I didn't call it either. No, no it's not me. Completely not. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't comfortable, like, you know. But I mean, I wasn't calling it. I was definitely, yeah. in the, uh, I, I think it's going to because you've you've seen this like the polls had been so consistently wrong of late that you kind of felt like oh no, they're going the, the status quo is going to win out. Yeah, I, I thought it would be close, but I thought Remain would would be the vote ultimately. Especially but, if you look at what the markets were doing yesterday. I mean, it was end of the day in the green. Well, that's yeah. that's the big thing, right? Sorry, right. let's talk about that. Let's start there. But let's back up a little bit to yesterday because yesterday you had a big rally. Certainly in the pound. Went in up US to 150. The one pound, right. one pound did go up to its A highest high. level of the year. Yeah. Of the year. Yeah. 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 150, and then when uh, I, I think I, I was on, uh, I was on market duty at the time. In fact, as um, I was talking to a fund manager, and one of the first polls that indicated um, that things were not what uh, people uh, expected them to be came in. The pound was suddenly at 146 during the course of that conversation. Wow. Yeah. And the fund manager said, or it was an analyst maybe, whoever said, you see, I told you this thing is too early to call. And uh, I think uh, maybe half an hour or an hour later, we were at 140, 141, and uh, everything had gone nuts. And that is, you know, if if you relayed those moves to me and said, hey, look at what Bitcoin is doing, I would have said, oh, yeah, right. hey, whatever. It's the British pound. It's the British right. pound. <laughs> Sterling, right. yes. Yeah. I mean, this and- whole day seems like it's really a, a Forex story. I mean, that's what really you started to see the gyrations last night, and I think that's what traders were watching into the wee hours of the morning and into today. Well, no, I mean, it was. It, I found it really interesting. I was looking at the story last night, and it was our market story, and it was leading off of the pound. And it, had, and it was the story that had come out just after the YouGov um, mm-hmm. Poll that you know had remained was comfortably in the lead, and it said the brown surge. And I was looking at our live market chart of the pound, and I'm like, the pound's going the opposite way, and it's because the Sunderland had just come out. Um, the, the results, right. yeah, yeah, the results yeah. from Sunderland come out, and very strongly for uh, surprisingly strongly for uh, the leaf. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you know Brexit. who's you know who's very happy today. I, the, I do uh, not know who the gold bugs. Yes, are oh. very happy. So there's there's a section of the market that a lot of people, rightly or wrongly, um, 
relegate to kind of the tinfoil hat brigade, buying gold as a safe haven just in case something blows up right. or whatever. Gold was up, I think, at some point more than 7% in after-hours trading yeah, yesterday. Crazy enough, Bitcoin is seeing the same thing, which right. is just... The fact that anyone – and look, I write about Bitcoin. I respect it. I think it has potential. But the fact that anyone could look at that thing and say, oh, yeah, there's my safe haven asset. Right. It's uh, interesting. I mean, they – I, I want to get, get Chuck involved a little bit. Chuck, when you were seeing the run-up to the vote in the markets, I mean, what, what were you thinking of that? Well, it never got to be more than a 50-50 proposition. Right. That they, you know, for all the people who are saying, oh, this is what you should do, this is what you should do, the truth is, this was red or black. This was bet on red, bet on black. This was, mm-hmm. it, it was as if somebody was saying, hey, I, if they were betting on this outcome, they were betting with their heart and not with their head. And the interesting thing to me is that, you know who loses in this? Anybody who tried to time the market. Because you either, when it's, a, when it's a 50-50, when it's a coin flip, you either get it right or you get it wrong. Market timing is made on the nuance. It's made on the, oh, I see what's about to happen, and let me start to bet so that I'm, I'm a step ahead of the trend. Well, there's no trend in a, in a coin flip. Yeah. Well, this is a binary you know, decision. True. There are a lot of yeah, portfolio managers but, that but I... It's only binary. It, it's a binary decision, but the market doesn't treat it that way. True, but a lot of the... the market por- was looking at what was going to happen and, and which way was it trending. Yeah. A number of portfolio managers that I talked to said that they had hedged, they had tried their best to hedge any currency risk that they had through some of their positions and that they were willing to pay up. Those options got more expensive heading into it and they were willing to pay up for that because they said, you know, it's just too close to call. And, yeah. and if you're a moderate portfolio manager, you're trying to be conservative. You're not, you're not trying to shoot the lights out. You want to place moderate bets and, and make it through the day. But it, it seems obvious that there were some people that placed big bets. For right? sure. I mean, if you're yeah. if you're a hedge fund, that's you know, depending on your strategy, that's that's what you do. You want to reach for it. And you've you've seen letters. Winton had a letter out today that they were up about three percent um, as of this yeah. morning. And I, I think that we're still sort of sorting through the winners and losers from yeah. that. And. and- and what's interesting, you end up with this situation where you're not really betting on what the 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 event is displaying, right? Because, Chuck, you're right. It was a 50-50 bet. All the polls were really too close to call. You were betting on what gambling markets in the U.K. were telling you. But essentially what you were betting on was what other people thought. But, yep. but the, the, what was interesting is those – Betting, you know, establishments had you know had been done a better job of predicting outcomes about things like elections, the Scottish referendum. Yeah. I mean, they had a better track record, and but the markets. Didn't this time. No, I know <laughs> the, the, the markets clearly put more faith in those. Uh, in, in you know in the betting uh, yeah. establishments Absolutely. than they did in in the polls, and they were wrong. Well, but what does that also say for you know when you think about betting what? an odds maker is there to do is to basically crowdsource out a result, right? They're trying to do it in a way that they're not going to lose any money from it as they place odds, etc. But functionally, you know, it's sort of the, the wisdom of crowds. And if you think about it that way, well, then the crowds here were wrong. You know, we, we hear all the time, and, and Lord knows I'm getting pitched all the time by money managers who are like, oh, we're trying to tap into the wisdom of crowds. Well, yeah, the wisdom of crowds kind of failed in this one. And right. by the way, I just have to say that a friend of mine in, in London sent me the notes and said, well, here's your, here's your news stories for the rest of the year and then into the next couple of years. First you have the Brexit, then the Grexit, then the Departugal, then the Italy, the yeah. checkout, wow. Austria. Wow, those <laughs> are good. He's got a mile. And by the way, I can't actually say the one he's got for France. 
but it rhymes with my name. How's that? <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, I- Ira, put into perspective for us the, the size of the move in the pound. Enormous. I think it was uh, the the biggest move in the pound until then was in 1992, Black Wednesday. I forgot uh, it moved a lot intraday, but it closed. I think down four percent or so back then, or, or back then, back then, yeah. back then. So um, I think this uh, this this was far greater than that move. Also, what I also find interesting too in the pound is the run up that we saw in the pound. I mean, starting Thursday when uh, the assassination came around and you saw the market sort of right. r- sort of rebound, you know, on the idea that the Remain would win. Um, the pound went up like about four percent, I think, between that and you know Tuesday, and it had been trading, you know, not that much lower than where it had been the, this year. There was clearly a very lopsided position in that currency for whatever reason. There was a lopsided position in the currency, and whenever you get a situation where a lot of people think things are going to go one way, and then all of a sudden they go another way, you get these crazy moves. That's what happened. Yeah. Let's uh, actually, I think there's a good point to take a break because we have to do that anyhow, and I want to continue this on the other side. So we will be back after this important message. Hi, this is Kevin Sitzemong. This is Beth Cracklauer. Check us out on the Off-Duty Podcast. We talk about food, cocktails, all of the finer things in life. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. And become a subscriber on iTunes. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Paul, Stephen, Sarah, Ira, and Chuck here with you. Uh, I, I want to put into perspective, I want to try to at least to put into some perspective, what the, the market moves. I'm, I'm looking at the Dow right now. The Dow's down about 490 points. Uh, the Dow and the S&P both down around 3%, okay? And this is mid-afternoon on Friday, folks. Uh, so... There are some other numbers here. Ryan Dietrich, a, a really good technical analyst and a, a friend of the Money Beat uh, blog and podcast, he had a, some data talking about the daily returns on some other terrible, terrible days. On 9-11 uh, – actually, now I'm looking at 9-11. He can't mean 9-11 because the market didn't open on 9-11. It means two weeks after. He means the two weeks after, right. It was down 4.9%. This is the S&P. The day of the Lehman crash, I assume he's probably talking about September 15th, that Monday, it was 4.7%. The day of the flash crash, May 2010, it was down 3.2%. And the day that S&P downgraded U.S. debt, so he's talking about that Monday, that came on a Friday night, uh, that was down 6.7%. So around 3% today. Bad, you know, people are losing money, but not that bad, right? But not as bad as as some other really, really awful events. And by the way, I would say, like the week after, you know, the downgrade of the U.S., we had those wild swings of four hundred points down, four hundred points up. I mean, right. it was that was a really right. crazy week, right? Well, and that's something else. Uh, one of the guys I, I follow, Frank Capillary, said. He pointed out, you know, look, we've had a long period where the stock market has been pretty, pretty still. And he said, what you see in the market is these big, big moves tend to be clustered. Well, well, the other thing, too, is I would like this just reminds me. I just want to say this. It sort of reminds me of when Congress voted 
not to pass TARP. Mm. And you saw the stock market just tank. Right. And I think it got down over 700 points. Um, and as each vote was lining up, the Which market- Which was a much bigger percentage well, then. Right. right. But you saw, I mean, it, it, this had the same sort of feeling because the market was expecting Congress right. to pass this. And then you saw as they're like doing the math in their head as every congressman was yay or nay, wait, they're not going to pass this. And the market gave you know, Washington a stiff rebuke. Well- well, the they, put the, they, they put the fear of God in them, right? But the difference is Congress had a do-over. Exactly. There's no do-over here. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I think, one of the more interesting. This is done. Right. Well, you know, investors are, like, as, as Paul pointed out, it's bad, but it's not as bad as some of the other moves. And uh, investors are saying what, I, what I've heard today is that uh, despite the, um, the, the, the big moves in currencies overnight, as far as asset prices today, it's been kind of a controlled, orderly decline, and that is thanks to uh, a coordinated, what seems to be a coordinated effort by central banks and um, countries yeah. to, to, to to get the message out that, uh, yeah. that they well, will support markets. And, well, and that's interesting. I want to get everyone's take on this, because we've all talked to a ton of people over the last 24 hours or so, I mean, and especially over the last 12 hours. Do you, do you get a sense from people you're talking what, What's What is the sense that you get from the people you're talking to. It's interesting. So speaking with folks over at Vanguard, they say it's pretty much business as usual. Yes, there's a heavy trading day. There's a Russell Index rebalancing coming later on. But overall, they feel like, you know, we're not seeing jumpy clients. We're still seeing inflows. They're, you know, they're a little pretty much sanguine. Um, others who were watching the markets overnight, you know, those sort of memories are, are fresh with currencies jumping around and, and they're sort of hunkering down and telling clients to take the long term view and, you know, just, you know, be patient. Yeah. I, I will add that um, not everyone got killed in this move, that some people have cash on hand. Some people are uh, – somebody told me today that he feels like uh, he's at a, at a department store where everything's on discount. Mm. If you're a long-term investor, and I'm not talking months, I'm talking maybe many quarters, years – this could be uh, a, a good opportunity to get some things on the cheap. Right. I mean, yeah. I cover asset managers. For example, Invesco is one of the biggest, if not still the biggest loser of the day. Um, and analysts are saying, hey, buy it while you can. It's Some of these companies, AMG, like Mason, also hit today. Um, you know, get them while they're on sale. Okay. Chuck, uh, Chuck, weigh in here. What do you make Europe, of all this? Europe in general. I mean, you're a... What hasn't been talked about in the market over the last couple of weeks is that Europe has been building towards highs and near highs. And so if Europe's going to wind up taking a step back, then all that's going to do is, you know, put it on sale. I, mean, I think that the basic, and I wrote a column about this, is that you know, ultimately this is the kind of event that it shows up on a historical timeline. What you don't want it to do is to show up on your portfolio's timeline as like, oh, here was the Brexit when I made did something stupid that <laughs> turned a news event into a lifetime event because it's not going to be that. And, and interesting too, like the, in the, and, I, and this is what I sort of want to ask now is we're just this is just starting. I mean, like this is a process. This is not like oh. England, UK is now out of it. They're all the trade, you know, they need to negotiate the trade agreements. They need to negotiate their whole relationship now with the EU. And this is going to be taken multiple years. It doesn't, it's not overnight. And so, and a lot of the questions, and I think a lot of the concerns that companies have and how this is impacts the economy are still a long way off. Like they, oh, yeah. they have to unfold. Well, look, I mean, essentially you just took the world's fifth largest economy out of any kind of growth considerations in terms of global GDP. That that is 
that's going to be a direct effect. Uh, it just is. What it does to Europe and what it does to growth in Europe is is yet to be seen. As in is terms who will of, actually be leading that country. Exactly. Right. Right. Who will be leading it? Uh, what is this going to do to, you know, I'm using air quotes here. You can't see them, folks. But, you know, European citizens who are living in, in Europe or on the continent or want to move from anywhere. You know, all that remains to be seen. What is it going to do to global growth? Because Europe, as a, as a block, is the world's largest economy. These are not, you know, these are not, these are not questions that are going to be held on the shores of, you know, the sceptered isle. I, th- I think uh, one thing, one thing that's worth mentioning again, which I think one of us pointed out before, a, a lot of things. One of the things investors are pretty concerned about is just basically the spirit of revolution, or wh- whatever you call it, in the air right now, and yeah, yeah. what that could mean. I mean, are we going to have these kind of moves every time? Uh, are, other, are other European countries going to want to poll? Are we going to have these kind of market swings? How is the market going to react if uh, if we get another referendum in France or Spain or whatever? No, I mean this is this is a victory for populism, and it's not just Europe; it's here and it's other. You know, it's it's across the globe right now. Yeah, I, I think too, and not to get too, I you know that I could take this too far, grocery, so I won't take it too far. I'll tell you ahead of time I'm not going to. But but I think a lot of people are waking up today and saying, oh, something has changed. I think the reality is that this vote shows that that something changed a long time ago. And I think the 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 policy prescriptions to the financial crisis were extremely wanting. And I think they left a lot of problems unsolved and it took people a while to figure out what they want to do about it. And whether or not this is the right thing to do, I'm not saying. But you are now seeing a situation where people are, are doing, are saying, are figuring out that they want to do something about it. Well, when you have a global economy that's struggling to grow, and you know people are struggling, you, you know populism rises up. I mean, this is what has it's you know it's every time in history this is what happens. And I mean, it's not just. I don't think this is a wake up call to anyone today. I mean. You looked at look at our look at the U.S. election. I mean, you know, the fact that Bernie Sanders, you know, who you know, very liberal Democrat from you know Vermont, made it as far mm-hmm. as he did mm-hmm. with you know less money, all that. You, Donald Trump on the Republican side, you know, winning mm-hmm. the nomination. I mean, it is clear that this has been this this is across yeah. um, you know the globe, and it's been like that for a long time now. A- absolutely, without a doubt, and I think people. Who, I think there's still a lot of people who have not quite gleaned that, who haven't grokked, uh, grokked, what's that word from the book, grokked it yet. Uh, they're going to need to. You're talking to. about Gronkowski? No, I'm not. I'm not talking about Gronkowski. That was a mistake on my part. Uh, listen, before we go, Chuck, weigh in here. What, what should investors be looking to do right now or doing or, or what should they, they have done beforehand? You know, what, what's Well, the... it's too late. If you didn't do anything beforehand, you probably shouldn't be doing anything now. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if what you're looking at now is to be opportunistic, that's fine, but that's a small piece of your portfolio. If you said, okay, you know, I believe in the story in Europe and I, I long term and I want to be able to diversify, you should be looking to see whether you can add to your European exposure while things are on sale. But you may want to do that. You know, if you're that kind of a person, you're either doing it with some sort of a timing model or you're saying, you know, I want to be above the 50-day moving average or the 200-day moving average, or you're doing it by saying, here's some manager and I'm going to let them be active in this piece of my portfolio because I want somebody with boots on the ground or the thought process there that's going to be that much more, you know, picking and choosing individual names. The vast majority of people should do nothing. Okay. 
Yeah. One of the just before we wrap up, yeah. I mean, like we've seen the pound because Grocer ham. saw me giving the rap. Yeah, and I, and, I, and, and, and I want to get into this. I, I just want to get a Irish perspective on what he, th- where he thinks the pound is sort of going. I mean, it's been ah, it's been hammered. Yeah. you know, the last twenty four hours. What like you know a week, two weeks, month, two months, three months? What is the sort of sense you're getting from the people you're you know talking to? The number that's being thrown around is somewhere in the one twenties. Whoa, low. So it's still got a way to go. One twenty-five. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. So there's the big initial move, and then where it's going to drift down yeah. to and settle. That's the number that's being thrown around. And, and I mean, to what <clears throat> to what extent is that just throwing a dart? I mean, how much can you really know at this point? After yesterday, <laughs> it's hard right. to say, right? Yeah. Who's to say? Yeah. I don't know. All right. Uh, we're going to leave it there. I want to thank everyone. I want to thank you all out there for listening. We always appreciate it. Have a good weekend, and we will talk to you next week for sure. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.